You know, back in 2011, there was a devastating and deadly famine in Ethiopia, in um, Somalia, rather. Somalia is Africa's easternmost country, population about 16 million. It borders Ethiopia, uh, as, which is why I was getting that mixed up. Um, and the world community vowed that it would never happen again, that this would not be allowed to happen again. Uh, a quarter of a million people died back then, 2011. Well, here we are 11 years later. Um, Somalia is back on the brink of another humanitarian crisis. In fact, it's in the middle of a humanitarian crisis that may just get worse. Uh, aid workers have been sounding the alarm over an intensifying catastrophe there, where officials are expected to soon declare the second famine in just over a decade. So once again, uh, a famine we said we would never allow happen to happen again in that country is about to happen again. Uh, the cause same as last time, rampant drought in the East African nation um, has already sparked a mass migration of desperate families who can't feed their kids. Of course, there is conflict in the country, um, different areas ruled by different groups, including Al-Qaeda-affiliated Al-Shabaab. Many of these people leaving where they are are heading to camps uh, looking for help, and the conditions are expected to get worse over the winter. Now, the UN forecasts that more than 40% of the country's 16 million will face acute hunger between now and December, with warnings that Somalia was, quote, or is, quote, on the brink of a tragedy at a scale not seen in decades. It could be even worse than what happened back in 2011. Here is UNICEF spokesperson James Elder at one of those camps in the capital, Mogadishu. When people talk of Somalia, we hear of millions of children clinging to the edge of a cliff facing catastrophe. Now, when we walk in Somalia, we see the face of that catastrophe unfold. A deadly drought, lethal to livestock, hunger rising, families famished, the risk of disease all around. To be honest, it's maddening. They're suffering because of a climate crisis that they have nothing to do with. They almost don't have a carbon footprint. And then, of course, there's Russia's invasion of Ukraine and what that's done to food prices. But again, it's the children and women of this country who suffer the most. That's why They've come to this camp in Mogadishu. They've left their homes. They've traveled for days. They arrive weak, often dangerously ill. Now, UNICEF is here. We're on the ground. We've got support, nutrition, water, health care. And despite the insecurity, we are not leaving this place. It's our duty to be here to help, to ensure they don't endure this again. UNICEF spokesperson James Elder there on social media, a video shot in Mogadishu at a camp for displaced people. Again, as he was pointing out, uh, many thousands have made this long, often days-long journey to arrive at these camps, often weak without water or food. Um, and again, 11 years ago, there was this catastrophic famine in that area. A quarter of a million people died. And once again, may I remind us that we vowed it would never happen again. There are aid groups on the ground, many, including UNICEF, as we just heard, as well as Médecins Sans Frontières, or Doctors Without Borders. Uh, John Besselink is their representative in Somalia. He joins us tonight from Nairobi in neighboring Kenya. Thanks so much for your time. Pleasure. Glad to be here. So we've been reading a lot recently, seeing a lot recently about uh, the worsening situation in Somalia. Just how bad has it gotten in recent months? Well, in, in recent months, I think we have to go back almost a, a year where the, the the first rainy season that was really failed, let's say, was October 21. And now we are four failed rainy seasons down the line. And I think the situation has been uh, 
Well, it's been extremely dire. So in terms of droughts, the, the, the impact has been quite severe. So there's hardly any water, no clean drinking water. Uh, water levels are low. Then in terms of food prices, extreme high. People lost their livelihoods in terms of uh, of cattle. Thousands of people on, on the move. I think about uh, 800,000 now. So what we've seen is indeed that the impact of this drought has been very severe when it comes to, uh, to the healthcare and specifically children. So we see a high number of, of malnourished children mm-hmm. and unfortunately also in an outbreak like this we uh we witnessed an outbreak of measles and cholera so it's really a situation where all these factors are aggravating each other let's say so it's it's a very dire situation yes somalia already a, a country that was in very fragile state so this is four straight missed rainy seasons in a country that could really afford none that that's exactly what it is and unfortunately the one coming in the coming weeks is also predicted to be below average so yet another layer on top so i think that describes really well the situation these are communities that have been faced layer after layer we've seen three severe droughts and malnutrition crises in the last 10 years so people has lost their livelihoods and it's just uh, you know there's hardly anything left You've talked a bit about the displacement. I don't think people perhaps in other parts of the world might understand what displacement actually means in a country uh, like Somalia, where people, the elderly kids are walking, I gather, for days. Yeah, exactly. So, so it is it is historically a country where, well, it's mostly pastoralist. So people are, are known to displace. So they move with their cattle, in this case, a lot of camels. They move from place to place following the seasons. You know, they have a summer place and a winter place. However, since January, the numbers of people moving, which are almost up to indeed a, a million people, which means people walk sometimes three, four days in a row without one meal, uh, with hardly seeing anything left, just their camels, sometimes even without their 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 shelter, their, their cooking material, anything that's left behind. So it's a it's a very desperate move to still try and find healthcare, uh, basic basic uh, basic needs. So when we ask people what you need, it's extremely basic. It's food, protection, clean water, and healthcare. So that that's a very uh, well, yeah, very yes. hard situation. And I, I gather that when they do arrive, oftentimes either in cities like a bigger residential area, residential centers or uh, bigger cities or to displaced people's camps, uh, that it's uh, oftentimes too late, that there's already, they, that, you know, people are already beyond the point of uh, of being helped in some cases. Yeah, so we're present in in, uh, in six locations in the country, but one of our most severe areas is, is Baidoa at this point. So we, we support the hospital there. And over the last, let's say, eight months, we saw 200,000 people arrive in the city. So there's hundreds of internally displaced settlements around the city. Most of them don't have enough latrines. So I heard stories that people are sharing one toilet with 150 people. They don't have clean drinking water. Uh, the, the sanitation situation is bad. And then, indeed, when, an, when the cholera situation hits, a lot of people get infected. It spreads easily in a camp like this. So, yeah, people arrive. Uh, and after days of travel, come into this camp, cholera outbreak, and then healthcare, or at least, you know, the, the, the need for healthcare is extremely important. So I'm happy that, we, uh, that we're there. Yeah, tell me a bit about MSF's work on the ground. I know, as you mentioned, you're you're in six different locations, but the the demands must be uh, must be increasing as well. 
Yeah, so so Médecins Sans Fortier, we've been in the country for about almost 50 years. Um, but in the last, uh, since 2016, we came back after a short stop. And as you mentioned, we run six projects in, in hardly hit areas. And the things we've seen over the last year are very, well, how to say, it, it is really basic what we see. We see a measles outbreak where more than 5,000 children were admitted in our facilities. And in any normal Western country, two two cases would be considered an outbreak and, and you would have massive mobilization here. We're still behind on vaccinations. Children are still not properly immunized. So we see we see even children up to 17 years of age with, with measles. So we're really faced with, with, with these very basic diseases that should be preventable, cholera, measles, malnutrition. So over the last months, about 700 to 800 children are admitted in our facility for malnutrition, and of which half are actually severe malnourished. So these are really children who need medical support on top of the uh, the immediate nutrition support. So this is really just, yeah, it's, it's a huge medical crisis. And and clearly there's also, I mean, this is on the humanitarian side, but there are some issues to, given the security situation with Al-Shabaab and so on, that, that there is not freedom of movement throughout the country for humanitarian groups to deliberate. Yeah, it's true. It, it is a country that also over decades, we see violence on every level. There's communal violence between different clans, often amongst uh, about certain resources or scarcity of resources. Then we have national violence, we have international violence. On every level you can imagine, there's there's violence ongoing, which makes physical, but also access for patients to come to us extremely difficult. So that's a, that's a, that's a, that's very valid. We're seeing a lot of, of pretty dire predictions for what may lie ahead uh, between now and the end of the year. Uh, are you seeing that as well? Were you, I mean, is th- this is a huge concern, obviously, because you're talking about the next rainy season that's coming also not being good enough, and that's going to further exacerbate. What could we see in the next uh, in the next months? Well, so medicine of the the places we are, and it's like you mentioned before, it's very difficult to gain proper access and have a really clear picture of what's going on in the whole country. So we hear a lot indeed on predictions and, and guessing. However, for us, what's very clear is that what we see already is is beyond beyond stressing. So indeed, these 400 children a week that are admitted, uh, children up to 20, 17 years old dying of measles. So this is the, the reality now, which we are extremely concerned about. However, these are people that made it to our facilities. These are children that got the medical care that they needed. However, the, the country is extremely large, extremely difficult to move also in the in the desert uh, desert areas. So we're extremely concerned about the, the people that can't reach us or we can't reach. So we, we don't know. And the thing is that if we ask our patients, the, their needs are so basic and they have no other option at this point. So a lot of people are saying, when, when asked, what's your hope? They say, or, or God will help us, or I have no hope, or it's the humanitarians. So at this point, it's really a life-saving activity. It's really humanitarian aid that needs to happen. It needs to be in support of indeed already existing structures that are there. But without the proper scale-up, without the proper support, the situation, well, you know, the situation might continue to be worse, but then people have no place to go. So it's extremely important that more health facilities, more nutrition activities, more food distribution. And yeah, that makes it so extremely concerning that it's so basic what people need. And yeah, it's that's where we are. Yeah, because I mean, we think back, 
Um, a little more than a decade ago, back in 2011, there was a famine in the same area that killed a quarter of a million people. I remember the the international community vowed that this would never happen again. Uh, we laid out some steps to try to make sure that wouldn't happen again. And here we are. And if anything, the predictions appear to be that it could be even worse than it was in 2011. So what can we do in the short term? What can be done other than raising awareness to try to at least prevent the worst from happening? No, it is a very good point you make indeed. So these the different moments in the last 12 years have stripped people completely of their coping mechanisms. So the, the little bit that they have left, you know, I heard stories where where families have to choose the fate over one child over their cattle or their other siblings mm-hmm. because they don't have, if they go to the health facility, they leave behind their livelihood and other kids. So what do you do in this situation? So it's indeed layer on top of layer that's stripped everyone of this coping. So what needs to be done is that, well, first of all, it, it's it's very important that Somalia keeps to be discussed around the dinner table on political level or humanitarian level between states, within states which of course also comes with the proper funding. It comes with indeed more support for humanitarian actors to be able to do their work. We need to make sure we get access to the areas where the needs are most pressing. So I think it's, it's all these things are extremely needed, but it starts with all of us. So we don't, we don't forget what's going on to the Somali communities in this region. As you well know, I mean, you're with MSF, you're, 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 you know, your organizations around the world, we know how much, competition and competition is the wrong word but we know how much need there is out there whether it be afghanistan or yemen or you know any number of countries um the rest of the horn of africa uh there is so much need out there right now it must feel like each one of these crises is somehow slipping under the radar yeah it's it yeah it's if we look at history we always feel how how bad is it now? I mean, I we are faced with so many different emergencies and so many heavy emergencies that are impossible to to compare in, in terms of which one is worse. I would say every every child dying of malnutrition is is one too many. So I think that's indeed it's it's a very depressing you know foresight somehow. Although we keep hope, and I think that's the beauty of our organization that it's also clearly. Well, it's a medical organization, so we have direct impact on what we do, direct impact on the on the patients that we uh, that we treat. But yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a sad situation. So June, just for MSF uh, over the over the coming months, what what's what are your plans? Um, you have the six areas that you work in. Uh, will you continue to simply will you serve continue to serve those areas only? Are you looking at expanding at all? Is there even the capacity to expand? Well, good question. The capacity we we definitely have the ambition to expand where 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 needed. We definitely follow trends all over the country where we see uh, where are new outbreaks. We very closely monitor these different outbreaks in terms of measles, cholera, or even others to make sure we have the capacity uh, and 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 the teams and the supplies to to work on it. So yes, we continue with the anchor project and keep monitoring everything that's going on and try to 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 support the needs wherever we can. Well, June Besselink, thank you so much for your time tonight. Pleasure.